In this clip, I have my buddy Sam Coleman on. Sam's a luxury realtor here in Vegas, and he talked about what kind of mindset it takes to grow in any craft, regardless of being a realtor, an investor, or a small business owner, and just grow every single day, how to overcome adversity, how to be inspired, how to always want to get better. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Once you develop the skills like you have, right, then you start thinking about things differently. And we talked about this off camera um, about, okay, I've got these skills, is the way I've been using these skills, the best use of them, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, originally you start as a buyer's agent and it's like, yeah, man, you could be a buyer's agent, but holy cow, it's not very scalable, No, you know? And uh, it's a lot of headache. But then you take those same skills and apply it to just listings. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all of a sudden, this is way easier. I yep. can get way more deals. I can do this. Then you take it a step further and you start saying, well, what if I only did listings for luxury and then you're starting to just see like that same skill being used in a much more efficient manner. Yep. Yep, and for sure. That's probably led to more growth than anything. Mm-hmm. So my mentor, uh, for every five deals he does, I do one. And we joke about it all the time when he's like, man, if I would have started when I when you started, when I was your age doing what you were doing, I'd be on a yacht right now. <laughs> like, like it's incredible because I don't want to work this hard. Right. So I understood that after getting that first $30,000 commission check and now to fast forward um, five years later in the business it's not necessarily about the money. It's about the efficiency and the time and the freedom that I get along with that. And now the, the scalability factor is how do I take those same skills that I've acquired from going from buyer's agent to listing agent, from listing agent to team leader, from team leader to now business owner and then multiple business owner to then then duplicate those skills and embed those skills into other people and allow, and allow them to grow because seeing like my youngest agent, he's 20, seeing him go do exactly what I say do and for him to make $100,000 this month, like it's so fulfilling for me. Like it's so cool to see him go out and his very, for three weeks after he got with me, he was like, dude, you know, this is really hard. And I said, I, I know it's hard, but if you do it, it'll change your life. The next day we went out and did that challenge. He got his first listing appointment, closed the deal. Three weeks after being with me, I wrote him a check for 28 grand. Yeah. Like that was his split afterward, right? So right. to see him go through that, go through those motions, feel those emotions, but then keep going. I'm like, that's, that's what it takes. Right. That's what it takes. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. And it's like the sooner you can learn these skills and, you know, how to use them in the best possible way. It's like, man, it starts to change things. Like I, for those listening, like many people know I own a, a lot of different businesses, but you know, it's like, I've had these same skills for a long time mm-hmm. and I was using them in my house flipping company really effectively. And I just started to realize there were other ways to use the skills that were going to make a lot more money. Yep. And you know, I started using them for social media. I started using them for coaching. I started using them for e-commerce and all of a sudden I'm like, man, these skills pay a lot more using them over here. Yep. And I'm just constantly looking at, you know, what's the next way I could utilize, you know, the skills that I've developed that are hard to develop. Like you said, they take a long time. They're not Mm -hmm. just something that people just can learn tomorrow. Yep. I can tell you what to do, but there's no, there's no way to rush repetition. Mm -mm. You know, we know in sports, what's the the rule? It's like, it takes 10,000 hours to become a master or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can't rush 10,000 hours. No, it just takes what it takes. Yep. And so once you have it though, then it's like, man, okay, now that I've developed it, like what can I do with these? Mm-hmm. 
And my 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 message to anybody, especially if you're a new agent, you're getting the business. There's no shortcut. You can like you have to 100% take the course. Like if you're getting, if you see the ad, the person that's running the ad for you to take the course is there. 90% of the time, most of the time, whatever the percentage <laughs> is, most of the time because they've done something and they're successful at it and it's a way, not the way, but a way for you to extract that information and then go put it to use. So you can't short the 10,000 hours, but there's now no excuse because information is too accessible. So one of the, the mental blocks that I had was being black and being a luxury real estate business. There's no, there are no luxury black real estate agents doing it on a, on a mega scale in Vegas. So I say, all right, well, why not me? So I took that information that I learned from my coach, from YouTube, from the, the digital mentors of the world, from the Bradleys, from the, from the Zig Ziglers, all those philosophies, all those foundations and, uh, of sales. And I started to apply them. And it took 10,000 hours, like literally hours and hours of hours of me beating on my craft to know what to say and then understand like, all right, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. It's a different way to say it. Then I start playing with mirroring and matching and then tonality and then tugging on the heartstrings and then making it not about them and making it about another person and then ultimately getting to the same end result. So I basically took all these things and I narrowed it down over those 10,000 hours to figure out what works for me. There's no shortcut to you finding your voice, whether it's a script and agents say all the time, well, I hate scripts. Well, you don't know what to say. So a script is just a foundation of you finding your voice with the right words to say. So I took those scripts. I was the same way. Oh, I'm black and there's no luxury agents and oh, I'm not reading the script. I sound like a robot. Those are all excuses and it's bogus. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I got, I done, I did away with all the limiting beliefs and then I just sat down, laced my bootstraps and I said, all right, what do I got to say? And I practiced every day with my wife in the mirror, just saying those scripts over and over and over again until I got it down. And now it's not me sounding like a robot. It's just who I am as a person is my voice because I right. know what to say. You know, we all have different life experiences, you know, based on our upbringing, how we look, everything. And we all have strengths and weaknesses. Like, mm -hmm. and it's just really a matter of like, are you aware of them? And are you aware of like what people will think of you? Like, I, I've constantly thought about this a lot. It's like, man, people want to... Um, you know, try and make the world this like a uh, fluffy place where everybody should get along and uh, treat each other, you know, the right way. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, that sounds good on paper, but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the, the day, uh, sin entered the world, it hasn't been that way no. and, uh, it ain't changing anytime soon. So, no. you know, like at the end of the day, the world's a messed up place and like, you can acknowledge it and, uh, see it for what it is, or, you know, you can complain about it mm -hmm. and then you know, be a victim and, you know, nothing will happen for you. Yep. And I think with what you're saying is that, look, all these things happened to me over the years and um, I had a choice to just continue to, you know, let them uh, continue happening. Or mm -hmm. I can just say, you know what, I'm going to learn from these. Yep. I'm going to accept and embrace, you know, the perceived, uh, I guess, disadvantage I might have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Anyone can do it, man. Like people are successful regardless of skin color, height, yep. athletic, how smart they are. Man, there's a lot of dumb freaking rich people. I'll tell yep, you that. For sure. And it just is like, who wants it bad enough? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what it comes down to. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, man, like we're all a bunch of broken pieces. Yep. And I like to look at those cracks of those broken pieces as valleys. But in those valleys, that's where it rains. And where it rains, that's where growth is. That's where... 
uh, I find refuge. That's where I find peace. That's why. I, that's where I find that adversity, that next level. And the problem is most people stop in those valleys. They just stop. And when it's raining, they're in the mud. They stay in the mud. They don't get to the sunshine. They don't get through the rain. They don't get to see the harvest and the, and the flowers bloom because they stay in those places. And if you can acknowledge the fact that, crap, I'm in this messed up situation. Nobody's coming to save me. They're, the alternative is, it, is I go that way or I go that way. What's the alternative? Like, do if it's hard, just do it hard. It doesn't matter. Right. Because the alternative is the, is the opposite of what you want anyway. Right. So just go through it and grow through it. Right. Well, you know what's funny is like <laughs> anyone's perceived, you know, weakness is a strength like to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're like, oh, man, you know, uh, it, before you're like, man, I'm black in these rich neighborhoods and, you know, I don't fit in and, you know, whatever's happening. And then there are people who would look at you and say, well, dude, you're like, like you said, 6'10", you, you're a former pro athlete. Like, dude, you got it all made. And it's yep. just like two different perceptions of mm-hmm. like, you know, in your mind, you're like, I'm at a disadvantage. In someone else's mind, they're like, what are you talking about? Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's a great, that's such a great point because when when people think about me being an ex-athlete, like in 2010, I had my shot with the Rockets, right? So I went from playing mid-level Division One basketball to, you know, prior to that, you couldn't give me away in high school. I didn't dunk the ball until I was 19. I was driving a forklift in 2000, I think it was 2007, 2006, 2007. I was driving a forklift for Rite Aid Warehouse. And then I had another part-time job where I was working for Cisco in the freezer, driving a forklift at night and randomly playing open gym at the Carmelo Anthony Center, then going to Coppin State University. That's how I got my Division One opportunity. The coach came to me and said, what school do you go to? I said, I'm not in school. He said, well, I want to give you a full ride to, to my school. So that's how I got to play Division One basketball. And then going to Man, having a, I think I averaged like six points, like four rebounds a game. Nobody, the, the, the NBA was not banging down my door to draft me. Right. You know, it was these small little steps of acts of faith and commitment to the process that got me to the door. And then when I got to the door, it was like, now it's time to knock this joint down. I'm going to knock this door down because they didn't open it for me. There was nobody calling me. There was no coach coming to sit in my living room to talk about, you know, I know you got 13 offers from, U, from, <laughs> from UNC and all these. Other, there wasn't any of that. So I had to break those doors down. So when I got to, to get into the real estate industry, all of those things, all those levels of adversity and that level of intensity that I've been going through year after year after year after year, that's all I knew. That's, that's what I resonated with. That was, that was what was in me. So it wasn't the fact that I was 6'10 because it never benefited me then. What I did realize was being 6'10, this is a God-given ability that I have, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Hart's 5'5. Five, five. Yeah. Like, so it's not a height thing. Yeah, he's pretty successful. But he's pretty successful, right? Muggsy Bogues. Dude, yeah. like, there's like it's not that like he took that disadvantage to the world and, and made it an advantage, right? And that's what they're known for. So for me, it wasn't about I've never sold a home to an NBA player. Like I've never like my athletic friends. The truth is, they're not working with me because I'm I'm the, I'm the I'm the friend. I'm the I'm the I was the friend at that point before I built my business. I was the I was the homie, right? So to go from jersey to suit and tie at that moment, they didn't trust me. Now I'm starting to get NBA clients. Now I have high level celebrities. Now I have clientele that that are affluent. But at that point, when I was starting my business. It wasn't just because, oh, like, oh, Sam, you, yeah, we were teammates. Let me just buy this million dollar house with you. No, it's like, dude, yeah. like just a couple years ago, we were in a strip club together. <laughs> like, like, no. Yeah. So, and then 
then I started to be refined. And it was like, wait, Sam, you're different. Like, those club invites, I'm not going. Like, the you want to go get drunk? No, I I'm not really drinking at all. Like, I have a glass of wine. Wine? Let's take these shots. I don't take shots. Like, I have to, I'm getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go get my workout in so I can be with my wife and my kids. Like, I got a business to run. So as I started to become more and things started to change, then the circles that I was in started to change. The proximity to affluent people started to change. My conversations started to change. And the people that were at one point holding me down and or holding me back, the crabs in a barrel that I was then reaching out to because that's who I was allowing in my circle, they started to go away. Right. And then now it became me reaching down to help people up while I'm reaching up getting more information from other people doing what I want to do. Right. So for these people that, you know, maybe are going through similar struggles, they've got limiting beliefs, whatever it is, what do you think that someone can do to kind of get over them and eliminate them? Um, First and foremost, being self-aware. Like looking in the mirror. I had to look in the mirror. I'm like a mix between, between a Jim Rohn Tony Robbins and David Goggins like the aspect of like I have this knowledge and this ability to communicate like Jim Rohn that's how I like to think of myself and then there's the the Tony Robbins to the, the be inspired to be motivated and then there's the David Goggins where well, you got to look in the mirror and say I suck I've put myself in this position I stood in the line to go get a pair of J's I wait I woke up to to spend rent money on a bottle in the club I'm out flexing on a date when I really don't have it that same amount of money could have bought a course, but it but it doesn't bring it does not bring what you what you want in that moment, and it's really being self aware, saying the things that I'm spending my money on and spending my time doing are bringing are filling a short term void that's keeping me away. So I'm sacrificing what I want long term for what I want right now, and then you just go and keep repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating it. Get real with yourself and say I'm in this position because of decisions that I made. Then. Get inspired, not motivated, but get inspired. Find where you want to go. Set your sail. Plant that flag and say, you know what? I'm going there. I don't know how to get there, but I'm going to start going that direction. Be inspired and then change who you are. Change who you are. I like to, the, the philosophy that, that really helped me do that was the be, do, have philosophy. Like everybody lives, have, do, be. So if I have the nice car, I'll sell luxury real estate. Well, if I have all the listings, then I'll go do the things that I'm supposed to do. And then I'll be this awesome pe- person that everybody wants to be about. I flip that philosophy and say, now, what does that person, what does the Sam at 40 years old look like? What is the, the successful $50 million man that's philanthropic that just gives so much? Like, what does that person look like? Then I start being it. Then that leads me to the things that I need to do. And as I'm doing those things, the being, the doing will lead me to the having. If I do all these things that are important, if I be this person and do all these things that are important, I'll have all the things that I want. The having is the easy part. The stuff that we acquire is 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 it's easy to say it on this side of having. Like my wife doesn't even know how to Christmas shop for me. She's just like, dude, like there's nothing more that we need. We have what God says, all that we need and enough to share and enough to give it away. So it's hard for me to acquire stuff now because I'm like, the more stuff I get, the stuff doesn't make me happy. It's being that leads me to the doing that makes me happy. And then watching, watching people enjoy the having, like not my having. I know what it feels like to have, but the more I become, the more I get to do and the more others get to have. So becoming self-aware 
and then take that philosophy and define what that girl or that guy looks like. What do you want to be? And then start being it now. Don't wait until, don't try to, don't postpone the being. Do the being now. Thanks for watching that clip from the Ryan Pineda show. If you want to see the full interview, you can actually find it in the link below. Make sure you're also subscribed on both YouTube and Apple Podcasts.